How many people were, you know, you, you were here for 2019, you sort of had, you did 2019? Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's not, you can remember it, hopefully you can still remember some of it. The, um, well, I, what I found was I had, I had a quite a busy year. Who had a busy 2019? Sometimes it's busy. Uh, we had a hard 2018. I think if I had to choose between hard and busy, I'd choose busy. Uh, and we had a busy 2018. And then uh, at the end of the year, I, I felt like that, you know, when you've been busy. You know what I mean? Just like, um, where, where everything sort of goes, you sort of lose. I, I sometimes think about when, when I'm doing well in myself, I feel like I'm bouncy inside. Does that sound right? Like, there's a bit of bounce in, in, in me. Like, uh, but I sort of got into December, and I'd, I, I had about, in September through to November, I was sort of traveling lots f- uh, for work for Sundays and through the week as well, speaking in lots of different locations, which was an amazing opportunity, but I literally was just tired. So, so I was like, Bleh. Does anyone know that feeling? Just not you even know that feeling, like, Bleh. right? And, um, and I felt Bleh for a week, of, a few days of holiday, and I felt Bleh for like, a, like another few days, and I just felt, and I started to think, I don't know if you ever think this, you started to think there's something wrong with you. For some of us, it's true, there is something wrong with you, right? Uh, but for, for, for most of the time, most of the time when we think there's something wrong with us, so it's just that, for, for me, it was just like I was tired, right? And I felt, and, and nothing was, this is, what if, this, is what, this is how I put it in words, right? I'm struggling to get the words right, but it felt like I couldn't hear God talking. There was nothing sort of bubbling up, right? So you start to think, oh, I'm feeling, you know, you don't prepare. You know, I know I'm preaching in Auckland on the 5th, and so through December I'm like, I was just feeling, what should I preach about? What's it about? And I felt this just, like, and I thought, oh, you know, something's going wrong. So I was you know, digging deeper in the Word, and I was praying, all those things that you know to do. And I just felt, and do you know what it turned out after... After about a week or so of good night sleeps. <laughs> Do you know, it's really weird what happened. God started talking. <laughs> and I thought, oh, God was tired too, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> sometimes we think, so sometimes you get to this point where everything sort of stopped working, right? And, and we think, and we start to look for complex solutions. Oh, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe, oh, maybe I'm allergic to air, you know, or, or you're looking for this or that, but actually you just need to get some good night's sleep to recover from the fact that you're now 43 and you're pretty old, you know, uh, and you need to get some energy back and then, you're, then you're, your body comes alive again, your spirit comes alive again, and you start to hear what you need to hear for the year that's ahead, right? Um, the problem with... Um, the calendar New Year, you know, it's like, the, it's, it's the 1st of January, if, if you're unaware. If that's what we're talking about, the 1st of January. Um, the thing about it is that we're not, we don't really sync to the calendar. Like the calendar rolls around every year, but our, the rhythm of your heart, it's a bit romantic, eh? No, they're really, be, that's the rhythm of Aurangi's heart, eh? Uh, the, rhythm of, you know, the, your, the rhythm of your life is the rhythm of your life. And, you know, sometimes the calendar year starts, but you're not started yet, right? Don't, don't, you don't need to identify yourselves, but a percentage of us here today are not actually in 2020 yet, right? 
we're still dealing with 2010. I mean, 2019, right? We're still actually catching up. You know, there, there's my sister, my older sister Carly, she's awesome. One of the awesome things about her is that when you tell a joke, you then pause. Right? If she lets everyone else have a turn laughing. Right? And then a day, a week, sometime later, she will laugh, right? Because she's catching up, right? Because she has a different humor rhythm. It's quite normal. She has a different humor rhythm. And we all, I, I want to suggest that actually different years, you hit different rhythms, different things going on inside of yourself. And sometimes the year have started, but you haven't started yet. Right? And you've got to have a strategy. You know when you're at home and the Wi-Fi stops working, people start screaming, uh, there's people running up and down the hallway, uh, everything's, like, everything's chaos because the Wi-Fi stopped working. Anyone have this problem at your house? Right? You actually have to have a strategy when the Wi-Fi stops working. What, what, what you can't, what the, this is what the, the children do, is they say, Dad, the Wi-Fi's not working. The Wi-Fi's not working. Dad, the Wi-Fi's not working. The Wi-Fi's not working. The Wi-Fi's not working. The Wi-Fi's not working. The Wi-Fi's not working, right? And I, I want to suggest to you that if you're using that strategy, you're the child. <laughs> right? Because what the dad does is the dad turns it off and on, checks the plugs, right? Scans through his email to see when the last bill was. <laughs> Pays the overdue bill. Rings the Philippines. Has a long conversation with the Filipinos. And gets the Wi-Fi back on. Right? You actually have to have... All of your, all of your strategies in life are... Act, the, the strategies you have are about when things are working. So most of the time when, some, when, I say to, when someone says to me, have you had a good week? The answer is yes, if, all of, if everything worked. And the answer is no, if things stopped working. Right? But the issue is this, that every time something happens that your strategy doesn't prepare you for, you will have a bad day. Right? Or a bad week or a bad year. Now here's the challenge, is if you do anything new, anything bigger, anywhere further, anywhere more complex, your strategy will not work, right? This is why school was such an awful thing. Because every day you got a new challenge. You know, there was this, the education thing happening, but also you're, I'm talking about your friends, right? Every day someone would say something hurtful or you had to figure out ways to deal with all the challenges, right? And the, the, the problem we have in life as we get older, and I've said this before here, as we get older, we use more and more energy and more and more money to make ourselves comfortable. But the easiest way and the quickest way to make yourself comfortable is to always avoid a situation that might push you to the edge of your ability to manage. Right? If you always avoid growth, you will always feel comfortable. Right? If you always push for growth, you will regularly get to the point where your current strategy doesn't work. 
right? You know when your current strategy doesn't work because you're running up and down the hallway shouting, the Wi-Fi's not working, the Wi-Fi's not working, the Wi-Fi's not working, the Wi-Fi's not working. There's a small part of your brain that's ready with a solution every time the bigger part of your brain doesn't know what to do. Your prefrontal cortex, when it knows what to do, it keeps the other parts of your brain calm, right? The limbic system keeps calm if the prefrontal cortex knows what to do. As soon as the prefrontal cortex doesn't know what to do, the limbic brain, which I like to think of as the monkey brain, says, I know what to do, but the problem is that the monkey brain's only solutions are running away or punching people. (laughs) Right, so this is actually how the two parts of your brain work. You get up in the morning, you have a shower. You get dressed in your work clothes. You eat some wheat bix right? Your prefrontal cortex can manage all of that. You don't even have to think about it. You shave, all that sort of stuff. Do all these complex processes. As you go out the door, you reach down for your car keys, which aren't there, right? So then what do you do? You calmly look around the house. No, you don't. You start running up down the hallway. Who's got the car keys? Who's got the car keys, right? (laughs) Now, the challenge is as we go through 2020, the challenge is, what I want to do today is I want to talk about what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when it's not working? Right? Because you already know what to do all the other times. Right? You, some of you will get in your car in the car park here. You'll start the car up and you'll, you'll pull out onto Mercury Lane. And the next thing you know, you'll be pulling into your driveway at home. And you'll wonder to yourself, how many pedestrians did we run over on the way here? Do you do that when you're leaving work? You get in the car, you pull out, and, the, and you, dr- you start driving home from work, and the next thing you know, you're pulling in. You have no memory of the whole journey. <laughs> right? That's because you know the way. But imagine if you, imagine you're pulling into your deathbed, and you have no memory of the whole journey. Because the whole time you kept things on autopilot, you did it the way you've always done it, you lived the life you've always lived, you never put yourself in a position where you had to learn a new strategy. Amen. I think that will suffice. Matt, will that, that suffices for an introduction. Yeah, that's good. We don't need to labor it again. I've got three other ideas, but I will leave them. We'll leave them. On, based on Pastor Matt's advice, we're going to call that the introduction. So if you're wanting to tick, if you've got a list, introduction, tick that off. And we'll be moving on to the scriptural part of the sermon. So I know a lot of people have been holding out for this moment. So let's open your Bibles. Um, so what do you do when it doesn't work? And so this is the first miracle of Jesus in the, that's recorded in the book of John, and it's the wedding at Cana. Who's heard the story before the wedding at Cana? And I reckon there's insight. The way this miracle takes place is a good idea of our strategy, some strategy that we can implement in our own life when we need those miracles to keep the thing moving, right? Is that okay? So turn to um, the Scripture, which is, here it is here. Thank you for finding it for me. It says down there, it's John 1 verse, John 2 verses 1 to 11, right? The next, so there's a, the next day there's a wedding celebration uh, in the village of Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and it seems like Jesus' mother's sort of in charge, so it's probably a family wedding that Jesus is related to what's going on, right? Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration, The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mothers told him they have no more wine. 
The Wi-Fi's not working. The Wi-Fi, they have no more wine. Dear woman, this is what I've tried with the children. Dear child, this is not my problem, right? I have 4G. Right? Because this is the big challenge. At home, when the Wi-Fi's not working, I still have data, so I sort of don't care. Right? Dear woman, that's not my problem. My time's not you come, right? So Jesus is trying to keep incognito at the moment, right? But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. And that's their first clue, right? A real good clue to do when you don't know what to do is to do what someone smarter than you tells you to do, right? Do whatever Jesus tells you. I love what, what, uh, what Benji shared in the offering message and, and, and one of the key reasons he gives, because God tells you to. Right? And then he's noticed all these other things after that. But it doesn't, you don't notice the things until you do the thing. Right? When you do it, you start to notice all the benefit of it. Do whatever he tells you. So it says, standing nearby, six stone water jars were standing there. And they were just chatting amongst themselves. And they were used for Jewish ceremonial washing. So these water jars were sort of waist to chest high, big jars. And they would have them outside uh, important places where people were gathering so that people could wash their hands ceremonially to, to, to clean themselves of the street so they could enter into the festivities, right? Uh, there were six of these jars, and each could hold t- between 20 and 30 gallons. So a gallon is three and a half liters. So let's say there's, let's say a gallon is actually three liters, uh, and there, there's, they hold 20. So each holds 600 liters, just to making the maths easy, right? So there were six of them, and each one was 600 liters. Have I got the maths right? It's close enough. Matt says close enough. 60. 6,000 liters. <laughs> right? So each of them holds 60 liters. That makes a lot more sense, but there's six of them, right? Okay. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled up these jars with water, which these jars they filled up were the equivalent of the hand basins that we, right, or sinks, right? They're not, it's not like, these, these aren't like baptismal fonts or holy places. They filled up the hand basins with water, right? They filled them all up, and they said, uh, when the jars have been filled, he said, that Jesus said, now dip out some water, draw out some water, Take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. There's a bit of a pattern here. They did what he said, and then they followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that had now turned into wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first. Then when everyone's drunk, he brings out the rubbish stuff, right? But you have kept the best wine until now. Right? This miraculous sign at Canaan Gallery was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples began to believe in him. It's a cool story, right? But the story hinges around this moment where they run out. They run out of what they need. The thing that was fueling the celebration was that they were celebrating, they were toasting each other, they were drinking wine, they were enjoying themselves as a family, and they ran out of the thing that was sort of central to their feast. There was no bottle down the road, okay? 
This was simpler times, right? They couldn't just go down the mill and get like, just load up the, load up the panel van with, with booze, right? What happens is they ran out of the thing that was the central to their, was central to their celebration, it was central to making the celebration fun, right? So you, I'm not, this is not a story advocating the drinking of large quantities of wine, <laughs> right? But there's a thing at the middle of your life that makes it fun. There's a thing at the middle of your life that makes it life, right? And that runs out every now and then, right? Why does the wine run out at a wedding? Because someone made an error, the wine doesn't run out of wedding. The wine runs out of wedding because someone didn't buy enough. Someone didn't bring enough. Someone wasn't organized. Someone, someone screwed up. Do you know when you run out? Because someone didn't bring enough. You, you, you start the week well, you only make it a Wednesday. You start smiling and then you're frowning. Well, you didn't bring enough wine. You should bring more wine. But what are you going to do once you haven't brought enough wine? Well, I should have brought more. I need to get, I should have brought more. I feel terrible. I didn't bring enough wine. There's no wine left. I didn't bring enough wine. I was so miserable. I'm so miserable. I'm so miserable. I haven't got enough. I've got no energy left. Oh, how many times have you told me this? I'm just completely tired. I've got no energy left. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I'm completely tired. I've got no energy left. I don't know what to do. Right? Here's the problem. You don't know what to do. If you're moving forward in life, you'll run out at some point and you won't know what to do. If pressures come come against you and you won't know what to do. And the thing is, what we need in our life is we need the miracle of Christ bringing us to life. Resurrecting life within us. Our resurrection is something that we experience all the time as we follow Christ. If we allow Him to transform the things inside of us from water to wine. That's what this miracle is about. John finishes his gospel by saying there were so many miracles Jesus did that you couldn't write about them all. But John just wrote about seven so that we could learn something. And this miracle is about what do we do when we run out of the miracle? We run out of the magic. We run out of the thing that makes life worth living. What do we do about it? And the first thing we've got to do is we've got to fill up the jars. So if you're taking notes, tick off introduction. Take off scripture verses, and now write down the first point. Fill up the jars. There were six stone water jars standing there. This is, these are the ancient icons. There's the six water jars there. Each of them is 60 liters, according to Matt. And here's the servant person filling up the jars. The people with the big yellow hats, that's Mary and Jesus on the left. And for some reason, there's a king there with a crown on. But um, they're filling up the jars. There's six jars. It's really important that we realize six, whenever the Bible talks about numbers, the numbers mean something, right? So six jars is really important. In Revelation, it says that the number of man is 666. So human effort looks like six, Right? When God creates heaven and earth, he works for six days and he rests for the seventh, right? And he says to mankind, do all of your work in six days and on the seventh day is holy to me. 
That's why we worship God one day out of the week. We make one day out of the week the focus because the rest of the time we say we're working, 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 and then we're celebrating what God has done, right? That's the Sabbath principle. What this story is talking to us about is that when we run out, we need to do the bit that we can do. So you can't fill your life with miracles, right? You can't do miracles, Scott. Jesus does miracles but we can do water, right? Jesus does do miracles, but we do water. When we fill up the jars, then Jesus can turn the water to wine. I've got a, a, couple, I've got a 12-year-old son, and I've actually got four children. I was explaining to Moore, if you have two children, it's like rugby league. You can understand it. You can manage that. Once you have three or more children, it's now rugby union. Everyone's offside. No one knows the rules. <laughs> right? And so whenever I give the kids a job to do or whenever Christine gives me a job to do and I, and I subcontract it to the children, <laughs> I say to the children, I say to them a simple thing, tidy your room, right? And so they go away for 35 seconds and then I see them watching TV and I say, I told you to tidy your room, and then they say, I've done it, right? So then you go to the room, and it's not tidy. Have you, anyone experienced this? I've experienced this as a child as well. I still remember this, and I can still see my dad's face. If I close my eyes, I can see my dad's face. When, when I've tidied the room, it's finished, right? What about the dishes? Do you ever get the kids to do the dishes? And then they're watching TV, and they're like, I'm done. And I'm like, I can see the dishes. Because <laughs> what they did is they did some right? Some is not full. Jesus didn't say put some water in the jars, right? But what do, we, what do we tend to do? We tend to put some in. Put some here and put some there, put some there. I've put water in the jars. But this, the, 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 the instruction is explicit by Christ is to fill up the jars. Because he could have said, Put some water in the jars. That's an, also a legitimate saying, right? It would still be a great miracle. But he actually said, fill up the jars. And I reckon as the start of 2020, it's, like, it's a hard one to say. At the start of this year, yeah, we'll do that. At the start of the year, come on, our challenges, first of all, we've got to identify what the jars are, and then we actually have to begin filling them up. You've got to fill up the jars, right? And some of, us are, some of us have the tendency to do some water in all the jars. And that's probably me. I do some here and some here and some here and some here. Right? Because actually one of the complexities of life is you can't quite focus. Have you noticed this? Yeah, there's a saying, have you heard of the saying, work-life balance? It's a great saying, but how many of you know that work is more than one thing and life is quite a lot of things? But this is a really complex seesaw now, right? Like, it's like a seesaw, and on the end of each seesaw is another seesaw, and on the end of each of those seesaws is 27 other seesaws, right? And the HR people say, oh, you need to concentrate on work-life balance. And we're all like, you can't concentrate on that. <laughs> right? You can't concentrate. Because if it was, some of us do some, 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 some. Oh, I'm putting some everywhere, right? And some of us just focus on one. So one is full, but the other jars are all empty. 
And we think, well, I'm just trying to keep it simple. So I'm just really focusing on work. Have you ever done that? I'm really going to focus on work. What happens to the family? I'm going to really focus on my family. What's going to happen at work? I'm going to really focus on my physical health. So I'm going to be at the gym every day. That's really good, isn't it? Except who's mowing the lawns at home? The 11-year-old is not finished, right? Here's the challenge. And across our life, there's more than one thing we need to fill up, right? And we have to do more than some. We've got to fill it up. So I don't know about you. I don't know what you, for you, I reckon, I was thinking, what are these jars? And I think I know what the jars are I have to fill up. But I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're everybody, but I know I have, to, I have to fill up the jar of work. If I want my life to work, I've got to work. I've got to work my job well. How many people have got a job? Good on you. Right? Have you filled it up? Do you do it full? Do you, fill, do, you do it? Or do you do some? Or almost? I almost put everything into it. Anybody, anybody like fill it up? I'm much more of a some person. I put some effort in at work today, and then I came home and I put some effort into the family. Right, because family's pretty important too, right? We've got to fill up those jars. We've got to do our part. Do you know, I know for myself, if I want my whole life to work, I have to fill up the jar of looking after myself physically. I know that I have to exercise. Right? What do people have? I know that I have to sleep enough. I have to get enough sleep. Do you know, how many people know that actually the science is really rock solid? You need minimum seven to nine hours of sleep every day. Right? And then what does everyone say? Well, I can make do on five. Of course you can. Right? Because it's only seven to nine hours to be healthy. Right? You can make do on one hour if you don't want to be healthy. Right? But actually, there's a sense where we need to fill up and look after the life that we've got. I know that I need to be exercising all through the week. Not every single day for me, but I have to be exercising all through the week. Otherwise, my life empties out and God's got nothing to work with. Right? I've got to fill up. I've got to be doing my part in it. One of the people I love following on Instagram is Cameron Haynes. And he's an Under Armour-sponsored athlete. And his sport is bow hunting. It's not a popular sport in Karori, but he's a bow hunter. And every day, uh, Cameron Haynes uh, runs. Every day, he shoots his bow and arrow, and every day, he lifts weights. Every day, seven days a week. But he also has a full-time job and three children, right? His full-time job is as a civil engineer. I think he's in charge of the water distribution system for Oregon. So he has a proper full-time job. And he runs every day, shoots arrows every day, minimum 60 arrows every day, minimum one marathon, just one marathon every day. So he runs 13 miles in the morning, about 12 at lunchtime, and he finishes the other run off after he's done his weight training in the evening. Right? That's it. <laughs> And I like following him because it makes me feel like I could do more. <laughs> right? 
I, I had him in an interview, because that's crazy. Like, let's put, on, let's, let's put that on the list of crazy things. This person's a crazy person, right? But when you hear him talk about why he does it, he, he says this. He, he does it because he can do it. And if I, can't, if I don't do everything I can do, if I don't do everything I can do, I feel like I'm not honoring the life God gave me. So where does his motivation come from to do this? Is from honoring the life that God's given him. Now, I can't run a marathon a day, and I, can't, I can shoot 60 arrows, but it's going to take a long time to gather them from everywhere. <laughs> right? Going to hit a lot of targets, right? The neighbors are not going to be happy. Less cats. Give me less cats in the neighborhood. But there are things I can do, and that only I know. Do you know, at the end of each day, only I know whether I filled up the jars. Only I know. Because everyone else thinks, oh, wow, Jordan, you're doing exercising, and you're looking after your family, and you're working hard for Jesus, and you've got a job as well. Like everybody else, we're all doing the same thing together, right? But only you know whether you filled up the jars and what jars you filled up. Right, and it's the first point of this. The idea, I think, as we go into 2020, I'm really thinking about. I'm really thinking about when I'm preaching this. I'm really thinking about the fact that heaps of us are not really ready for this year. And 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 you know, when Pastor Matt says, "Hey, you excited about the, the new year?" You'd be like, "Yes, Pastor Matt." Sorry, I'm picking on you again, Matt. But but how many people say, "Are you looking forward to the year?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. But inside, there's a small voice going, "No, you're not." <laughs> You've, you're actually freaking out. You still haven't dealt with 2010. Like the reality, the reality of 2020 is it could be hard, it could be easy, whatever. It is, but it's going to be 365 days long, and each of those days you're going to have the opportunity to fill up the jars. Fill up the jars, right? Put yourself in a position where there's something that Jesus can work with. Amen? But how do you fill up the jars? You've got to get it from the well, because there's no, there's no bottle store to buy the wine, and there's not even a tap to fill up the jars. I, I, I love it in, it's a really interesting scripture. In John 7, Jesus said that when, when, we, when we come to him, out of our, he gives us water to drink. So he gives us water to drink. That's our salvation when we come to Christ and trust him. He gives us water to drink, but it's not just water that we drink. Uh, have you got that John 7 scripture? Maybe I didn't send it. But he gives us water to drink, and then he says that when we drink the water of salvation, then it, then it says out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. So it's this idea that anyone who believes may come and drink. So we can get what we need from Christ. That's our eternal salvation, right? But then once we get what we need out of our Life flows the rivers again of living water. So our life becomes rivers, not river, right? There's things that we do. We can fill through this, and we do this, and we can fill it up. But where it comes from is not just our human effort. It requires us to give human effort, right? But it comes from the flow of the Holy Spirit that's within us, that, that God's that salvation's happened within us. So now I've got something to fill up my work jar with. Now I've got something to fill up my family jar with. Now I've got something to fill up my lifestyle with, right? We fill up those jars. The next thing we need to do is we need to draw it out. 
Isaiah 12 talks about that, that therefore with, draw, with joy, we draw out water from the well of salvation. If you think about those six jars of your life, of all the things you need to pour into in 2020, you've got to fill up the jar, fill up the jar, fill up the jar. So you've got to be praying, you've got to be in the Word, you've got to be engaging with friends and family in a healthy way, you've got to be working hard in your workplace, you've got to be smiling while driving in traffic, right? You've got to fill up the jar. But you know, the things you remember at the end of 2020 won't be all the filling up of the jars, it'd be the single glasses that you draw out. And I was thinking about um, one of the busiest, toughest things we've, I've ever done is when, when we were doing a revolution tour in the vans and driving everywhere. It's slightly more civilized now. Slight emphasis on the word slightly. But it was, you know, for some of the guys, it was four weeks. For me, it was usually three weeks of travel, early morning, late night, driving. Um, as a church, and as actually a whole movement of churches, we're investing we actually invested huge amount of money every single year to run the events, to do the school programs up and down the country. But you know, one of the things I always used to look for was, the, was what's the one moment that justifies 120 people sacrificing three weeks of their life and thousands of other people giving financially to make this happen? Do you know... Every single year, there'd be one story that would, for me, justify the whole thing. There'd be one person's testimony. There's people in this room who are that one story. Hey, Luca. Luca was one boy at Rongatai College in the assembly program, sitting friends with a kid from Equippers Youth in Wellington. In the assembly program, hearing Reggie, Right? And Luca's life's been transformed because of all of that investment, right? I didn't, even, I didn't know that Luca was going to be here today, but there's actually other people probably, even in this room, but up and down the country, there, there are people, there are stories, there's the, there's the miracle glass. Did, did a revolution tour do a miracle in Luca's life? No. We filled up some jars, though. Man, we filled up some jars. I can remember one year the team were back here for the Sunday and then they were leaving from out front of the Mercury and they had to get to Gisborne for a 9 a.m. school program. And Mark Nash was navigating. He's from the UK. <laughs> so just before he went to sleep, he said to the driver, drive to Palmerston North and then turn left. Right, so get a map out. If that doesn't sound funny to you, you need to get a map out. Right? He literally committed them to the longest drive ever to Gisborne. Right? So they did. They got there. They got to Gisborne. They pulled in outside the school at 9.05 after driving from here, leaving here at 6.30 the night before. These weren't great vans, so don't imagine that they were particularly comfortable. Right? Uh, but what happened in Gisborne that, that night? One kid was causing a trouble in the rally. He's broken his police curfew to be there. I think he was armed. He was causing sorts, all sorts, calling out during the sermon. Always a highlight. Not like amen, not like amen, brother. It was like, 
It's like. Yeah, I, I don't remember what he called out, but I imagine what I would call out. Anyhow, he ended up getting taken away by the police, which is sometimes helpful. And, um, and, and Reggie prayed. Reggie was speaking, and Reggie prayed. Oh, Reggie said to him in the car park before the police took him, I think, he said, there will be people, wherever they take you, there'll be someone that God sends to connect with you. Right? So guess where they took him? Youth Justice North. Guess what T-shirt Farrelly was wearing when he came into class? The Revolution Tour T-shirt. <laughs> Why? Did, did Farrelly transform? Did, did, did God transform? Did, what's going on? What, did Far- what was Farrelly doing? She was filling up the jar. What were we doing? What did God drive there? There's a lot of filling up jars, but it's the moments that get drawn out. So you can fill up the work jar, but what about that conversation in the lift? Come on, what about that moment just as everyone else is left and someone asks a question? You can fill up the family jar and do good by your family, but what about that moment when the 10-year-old asks a, re- asks a really important question? Have you got the time to draw out the miracle out of all the water? Or have you got real busy because you heard a sermon about working hard, about filling up all the jars? You just got to fill up all the jars. <laughs> I'm going to fill up more jars than Jordan. I'm going to fill up jars. Yeah, fill up the jars, but you've also got to be moving slowly enough that you can draw it out. What is the thing? What's the, what are these moments? Because the where did the miracle happen? When they filled up the jars, when they drew it out, when they presented it? We don't know. But the miracle is going to happen if we're faithful in filling up the jars and, and we're sensitive enough to draw out the wine. How much fun is it going to be drawing out those miracles when you haven't filled up the jars? Right? Are you going to have a really great conversation with someone in the workplace that transforms their life if you're the person who turns up late every day? No, you're not. The answer is they will disrespect you and disregard everything you say because you're a loser when you do that, right? I've proved it. I tried it out. It didn't work, right? The fill up the jar then draw it out and then at the end of the day we're presenting it to the master it's not actually about us and the fact we ran out it's about our service to Christ and the reason God brought us to the point where we ran out was so that we could present something to him Uh, one of my first jobs was at Pizza Hut I used to make the pizzas, I used to cut the pizzas, and I used to drive the car, my Toyota Corolla, delivering the pizzas. And I was, without any exaggeration, I was easily the best employee in the pizza hut. Easily. My brothers worked there as well. My brother Jesse got the job there because my cousin was the manager, second, it was the assistant manager, so we all had jobs. Jesse got the job but he left halfway through the interview because he thought it was over, uh, but he still got the job. Anyhow, so I was the best employee there, and I can remember it was it's one of those jobs that's easy to hate, especially in the summer. You have to leave the beach to get there for 5.30. It's a, you work in at the times when everyone else is out, and it, it was always hot, and you had to wear a really a clingy, not a particularly, phys- my physique's not much at the best times, right? But when you've got a clingy polo on and you're slightly sweaty, right? You don't want to be in public in those moments, right? And um, it was an easy job to hate. It was long hours of cleaning and, uh, and lots and lots of customers. And 
But I, I can remember cutting a pizza and slamming it into a box one day and thinking, I could cut that pizza better than that. Because actually everything I do is to God, is for God. You know, so I can remember, have you ever got a pizza and, and someone's got a piece like this? Right, have you got that pizza? And then you get this piece. Right. It's just shocking. So I thought, I'm not going to be the guy who cuts the pizza like that, creating family division. <laughs> Breaking up friendships. I'm going to cut it even. So do you know what I started doing? I started cutting the pizzas perfectly even. Do you know, then I started topping the pizzas tidily, you know, so it didn't look like a dog. It just, it just like it looked like a person had made food, right? That's what I wanted. I, wanted, I decided I wanted it to look like food when people opened it up. I felt like that was a noble aim. Right? Why? Because it was unto God. I've loved watching, watching David's career with the Warriors. Mainly on social media because I can't afford Sky. But the, um, the hashtag, hashtag for an audience of one. Like everyone's watching, but only one, mad, only one person matters. Right? And if we can live our life filling up the jars being sensitive to the moments where God wants to use us in our workplace, in our family, in our ministry, in church, or wherever we're working, right? But also being aware that we actually, it's, it's about presenting that to the master of ceremonies. It's not about who's demanding what from us. It's about presenting something to Him. First Corinthians says we should do whatever we do, we should do for the glory of God. Whether we're eating meat, we should do it for the glory of God. Whether we've been brainwashed into eating vegetables, we should do that to the glory of God. Right, whatever we're doing. And, and literally, that's the scripture. Whatever you're eating, eat it to the glory of God. Can you think, there's, there's, probably, there's nothing much more practical than just eating, but we should do those things to the glory of God. And I reckon that's our strategy. It's not working. It's not working. Come on, fill up the jars. Fill up the jars. I need a miracle. Fill up, fill up some jars. Fill up the jars. Go to the well. Where's the well? Oh, in your heart. Allow something from God to fill up your life, fill up your life, fill up your life. It's not particularly practical. It's sort of mystical. Right? But I think we know what it feels like to fill up those jars versus to do some. To fill it up at the end of the day. Did I fill up the jars? Tomorrow can I fill up the jars? Then be sensitive to God using you and being aware of the fact that all of our services to God that's what's going to allow us to be in a position of miracles in 2020.